welcome to this new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maramber Homa, and I welcome you to listen to this podcast about narcissism in general, toxic relationships, and ways to deal with them and to save ourselves, but most importantly, seek self-evolution regardless of the abuse. I hope you enjoy and find this episode and the upcoming ones enjoyable and insightful in any way shape or form and i thank you very much for listening now let's get started okay so while talking about the scapegoat this is the second part about the scapegoat um i'd like to dedicate two or even more episodes if I have the time for the scapegoat because this is an extremely important um, quote-unquote character to study. And, okay, so we've talked about um, what makes a scapegoat, basically, how they're labeled a scapegoat, what ma- what what the narcissist does to the person that, that uh, makes the... Um, the victim become a scapegoat how the scapegoat is made to feel they're made to feel the bl- the constant blame they're made to feel extremely guilty over the littlest things and sink into depression eventually and even responsible for other uh, members so i abruptly and i really apologize for this interrupted the part where i was going to talk about the traits of an of a scapegoat and we're going to head on straight there. So, a scapegoat it has these traits that, like I said before, that make them extremely strong. They're good and bad at the same time. They can be used appropriately and they can serve the scapegoat well. Even release them of the pain of being a scapegoat of being labeled a scapegoat or in inappropriate situations they can backfire and they can result in damages and harm more than good all right let's talk about these traits a little okay so the traits can be summed up into these the scapegoat is someone who's always seeking justice for somebody who sees observes and notices and takes note of the injustice going on in the in their family in the workplace or in the friendship contexts uh they seem to witness things that are not going the right direction and they will want to seek justice despite the fact that it might harm them it might hurt them in the process because everything costs you're basically screwed if you don't seek justice because you're fucked up then and you are screwed as well if you seek justice so it's like ah it's painful both ways but at least when justice is sought there's a better ending to the story than not having sought it in the first place. Okay. Secondly, a scapegoat. Oh, and this is also uh, referring to the video 
by the the channel discovering the narcissistic father she's a genius and i love her and i encourage you to subscribe to subscribe to her channel all right so a second uh trait of the scapegoat would be that they are strong will yes baby a scapegoat is strong will they are unstoppable and let me tell you this when a scapegoat intends to do something okay despite the fact that it's extremely hard and the fact despite the fact that it's rebellious for them to even have a will to do anything that is outside of the toxic um system they're raised in it's abnormal it's totally irrational all that kind of bullshit but it's totally normal outside of the toxic norm or the toxic system they are strong willed when they put their head into something they gonna do it all right okay the third trait of a scapegoat is that they unfortunately and this is really bad internalize blame a lot okay uh how am i gonna explain this someone who's a scapegoat internalizes blame when they are under the constant watch and when they are blamed constantly every single time a mistake happens they internalize that blame they usually would hide that blame they cannot they usually don't find others to confide in and to try to solve the problem together they seem to usually hide the blame because they don't want to i guess ruin the reputation of the narcissist maybe or they just want to you know be harsh with themselves it's it's really bad you know it's it really sucks to be in this position it really sucks to have to internalize blame and to you know self-loathe all the time it's extremely damaging and exhausting for the mental health and it's just um the way that this toxic system fucking operates all right <clears throat> Alrighty. Uh, the fourth way, the fourth trait of a scapegoat is that they are super duper uber empathic. And being an empathic person is totally advantageous. I think it's actually uh, advantageous more than it can actually be a, dis- a disadvantageous thing. I mean... Being empathic makes you feel how others feel. Makes you see things the way others feel. Uh, see things. But this is kind of a controversial trait because it can be used for the best interest of the scapegoat. It can also allow for meanie bastards out there to um, exploit them. Like, seeing them, like, um, how do we say it? What's the expression? Um, doormat, yeah. They see them as a doormat for others' uh, exploitation, basically. And that's not a good thing. 
So being empathic is a little bit controversial. It must the the scapegoat must be careful with their empathy towards others. They must know the people and and try to filter out the people they can trust so that they can uh you know roll with the flow with them and others that don't necessarily um you know go with the flow with them. It and a way I think a strategy or basically a method that this can be um you know tamed and well treated is the intuition if the scapegoat is well intuitive and they can sense their gut disturbing their asses off and they know that this person does not you know vibe with them they should you know avoid them they just shouldn't really be in contact with them but if this person for some reason vibes with them they they feel the flow you know the same energy the same kind of um you know nature and personality i think um then they can totally like these people can rock out the show together and they can be friends and for a scapegoat especially for somebody who has always been in the cycle of trying to please others it's really difficult to filter out people who are nice who are authentically nice to them and who are hypocritically nice to them so it's really i mean there has to be some thought put in the process and some tactics and tests and experiments and rises and falls to know the the right kind of people from the wrong and a way to distinguish between the right people and the wrong ones is the disaster a disaster tests out people who are going to stay with you in the wrong, in the in the bad times and and they're going to let you know who's going to be there for you when you're stuck in something than the good times the good times will show you those who genuinely celebrate with you but the bad times are better at showing you who's the real deal and who's going to stay with you and who's going to help you on your way out of the hell all right now i'm not basically i'm not trying to i'm sorry if i'm offending anyone i'm not racist i'm sorry okay i'm not offending anyone hopefully i'm just being myself here thank you for appreciating that all right next so the next trait of the scapegoat is that they are and this is also another controversial uh trait they are very emotional and they seem to react to things in a very emotional way this can benefit them and this can also harm them it really depends on the situation and the people they're dealing with and it's not easy as well to filter the kind of people that are genuinely good with them good to them and honest with them and the uh, the others who are basically uh you know disguising into being quote unquote friends all right okay uh the sixth trait is that they are and this is a very good one actually they're very protective of others a scapegoat wants to make sure that others are safe 
And they will do this because they're very strong-willed, even if it's against the authority of the narcissist. They are very able to protect others because they want to see the peace within others, as well as themselves, of course. But they want to protect others because of how empathic they are and how much love they want to show to others. Okay, this is a very good trait. Now the final one, I've, I'm I'm sure there are plenty more, but these are the, the the ones she mentioned and the ones that stand out the most. And I think a scapegoat would have all these and more even. Okay, so uh, this the final one is basically and the most important one of all of them is that the scapegoat speaks out against authority. Nobody has the guts or excuse me for the word have the balls to speak out against authority when it comes to narcissistic abuse as much as the scapegoat you know why because the scapegoat is essentially strong-willed and they are the most courageous and the bravest when it comes to speaking up against injustice and also because they always seek justice so it's kind of a chain basically this is a chain of traits that are connected to each other since they're always seeking justice and since they are strong-willed and they're very protective of others and very empathic they will not hesitate to speak out against the the unjust the unfair treatment and the unfair system that they have been raised in or the system that they have seen others raised in and speaking out against authority is extremely important because throughout history we can see a lot of dictatorships have happened and have ruined countries but if it wasn't for the rebels and if it wasn't for the scapegoated people the change and the the radical changes would not have happened and the you know justice would not have happened and people would not have been saved so scapegoats essentially are saviors all right it's a good point we're getting there we're getting there we're getting to the juice to the juicy stuff here this episode is better than the previous one i'm pretty sure this episode is going to be a lot better because, I mean, it's not that the other one is bad. I'm just saying this one is going to focus more on the, on the positive side of the um, scapegoat. Okay, and I think also the scapegoat has the best role, controversially enough. They have the worst and the best role ever because they they suffer the most but are the strongest eventually. And yeah, okay. Um, so of course, being the scapegoat with ha- and having all these traits makes the narcissist go nuts. All right, we're gonna talk about this part more in details right after this ad and I'll see you in a bit. All right, stay tuned.
you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make your podcast. Let me tell you why. First of all, it's free. You pay no fee whatsoever. It's absolutely, totally free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And most of all, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Well, the most important thing is that you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Well, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and subscribe and make your own podcast. It's free. So, having these traits... Okay, so basically we're back after the ad. Thank you. Welcome to the episode. Now let's continue. So having these traits makes makes the scapegoat the enemy of the narcissist. They are the freaking enemy of the narcissist. Hey. So it'll drive the narcissist insane to know that this scapegoat is capable of ruining and destroying their authority. The narcissistic parents or boss or friend is rageous against this. They always want to tear the scapegoat down because the scapegoat represents a challenge to them. Yes, okay. Now, this is another video that I watched also that I would like to talk about in this podcast that I'd like to extract a few bullet points that she mentioned and it's called uh, Joanna Kushta YouTube channel and I recommend you subscribe to her because she's also been a scapegoat and she talks about this in a very thorough way. So basically spelling her name is J-O-A-N-N-A and her family name is K-U-J-T-A-H. Joanna Kushta. And the title of the video is, I think, wait a minute. The title of the video is, Were You Your Family's Scapegoat? Okay, so, yeah, that's it. So, she talks about a scapegoat as someone who's emotional. Yes, as we mentioned earlier. Um, in the narcissistic family, we notice that there's always the sibling rivalry. Uh, I don't know how to speak anymore. Sibling rivalry. They're always rivals to each other. They're... There's always the amity against each other, and the narcissistic parents encourage this kind of rivalry and competition between the siblings. Okay, this is so true. Um, now, why are they doing this? Because the love of the narcissistic parents is an impossible mission. It's an impossible mission for the children to get. And they're always seeming competing against each other, tearing each other apart even, for this 
you know, addictive, constant need for parents' love and attention, which is, like I said, an impossible mission. Now, parents who are narcissistic are threatened by black sheep. And the black sheep is a scapegoat. Have I mentioned this? Well, now you know it. A black sheep is a scapegoat as well. Because a a black sheep, generally speaking, is someone who leans towards the creative, imaginative, intuitive side of the personality traits. They're more open, they're more agreeable, they're more creative, they're more neurotic, but they're less conscientious. And they're pretty much the ones who are less... The ones who are basically different than their siblings, usually. So, back to the sentence. Parents who are narcissistic are threatened by black sheep. Because they are the only ones with enough strength and courage to escape. I mean, to expose the the uh, the anarchy that the narcissistic parents have caused they are the only ones c- courageous enough to expose the corruption that's going on the rivalry that is uh, imposed on them with their siblings i'm pretty sure that the siblings don't want the rivalry the rivalry themselves either but they're like they're kind of you know they're they're kind of pushing them forward into the competition because they want to see you know, this kind of, uh, you know, fight over their parents' love and attention. The scapegoat is aware of the truth of how things are. Now, the narcissist always tries to maintain the perfect image of everything going on. They want to make sure that nothing is wrong whatsoever. There's no flaw, no odd you know, um, no odd ones out, nothing. Everything is perfect. But the scapegoat is aware of the the gaps in the map. They're aware of the holes in the map, the, the obstacles in the road that they're trying to build. They're aware of the flaws of the system. And they will take note of that. They will not hesitate to expose those parts because... They are, like I said, strong-willed. All right. Moving on to the next point. A narcissistic parent could be happy with... With... uh, Oh, with the scapegoat one day and totally disappointed the next day for whatever reason. It could be just even the simplest reason, the stupidest, lamest silliest reason that can make them totally you know burst into flames and just go nuts in just one day or even an hour these people are borderline even they just don't even give a fuck like these people are fucked up so a narcissistic parent could be happy one day one day you're the golden child one day you're really worshipped for your you know your uh qualities you're you're great you're doing perfect you're flawless one day and the next because of the very smallest mistake you did i don't know like even just closing the door before it's time to close the door i don't even know what kind of thing i can mention 
millions of examples that are just totally useless and futile. But they will make it a big deal and then, and then they will become extremely disappointed and angry with you just because <laughs> just because they can all right uh yeah so this is extremely you know uh tiring and confusing for the scapegoat because having you know like mood swings all the time it's really just unbearable for someone to have to deal with especially a child of an, a parent who has, you know, chronic mood swings. It's totally exhausting and totally just utterly tiring and confusing. Let me focus on the confusion part because it's really, I mean, why bother even just become, you know, so disappointed because of a small mistake? And then the next day, because everything is perfect and nothing is flawed, you're just basically hyper about everything and just happy and just appreciative of every of everything. But the minute something wrong happens, it all, you know, shows its ugly face all of a sudden. It's like terror. It's it's a horror movie basically. It's a it's a it's a real life horror movie. You know, one minute everything is fine, the next. The next shit, like, everything turns out so ugly. It's terrifying. It's absolutely stress. It's so stressful to be in the situation. That's why I talked about PTSD and how to deal with it. Because this is, this is complex PTSD, man. This is, this is, if it's, this, if this is daily, if this happens on a daily consistent basis, the victim is going to suffer from CPTSD and it's worse then they're nightmares because if every single day is an unpredictable day of of mood swings for the victim for the scapegoat it's extremely tiring and just so stressful to have to deal with this every single day listen to my episode cptsd or ptsd and how to deal with it and you'll know how it manifests itself. I t- I talked about it in detail. I might record another episode about it to perhaps explain it more. Um, yeah, please listen to that episode. It's, that episode is extremely important for this matter. Okay, now, any sort of achievement... Now, this is a very important point to mention here. Any sort of achievement is belittled, ignored, minimized, or even acknowledged by the narcs. Yes, because they don't mind to do this. They don't mind to be the judge, the the ultimate authority figure, and the judge of everything. Since they put themselves in this position of dominating over everything that someone does, over their actions, their their they be their habits, their thought, even their thoughts. They don't mind to diminish the value of any kind of achievement the scapegoat makes. It's immediately, immediately ignored. I mean, let's just go like you know, degree by degree. It's minimized, belittled, ignored. Or completely acknowledged. Unacknowledged, I mean. 
they can go as that. Like, they can totally be unacknowledged for no reason, but they just make up these stupid reasons as to why it shouldn't be acknowledged. That's how bad shit gets. That's how bad shit hits the fan. And 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 this happens actually a lot. And all the time, any sort of achievement that matters to the scapegoat is immediately ignored, belittled, or worse yet, totally, you know, unacknowledged. They never meet, they can never meet the impossible or shifting standards of the narcissistic parents. Parents, these these narcissistic parents have extremely unpredictable shifting and changing and altering um, standards that the scapegoat always has to follow and always has to change to to, you know, catch up to them. But for how long? To what extent does the, the does the scapegoat have to do this? I mean, it's totally exhausting. At first, to follow one standard, but it's even more exhausting if that standard keep, keeps changing every time. And so, why even bother have shifting standards? And for what reason? Why are these people so impossible to impress? Why? You want to know why? It's because their life is fucking miserable. They make you feel as though you're the cause of their living hell. This is a sentence said by Saint Asonia, and I recommend you subscribe to their channel and listen to their songs, okay? Okay, let's focus on this, on this episode right now. Okay, so, yeah never meeting their shifting standards is a, is a must for you okay scapegoat moving on to the next point pointing fingers at the scapegoat will evade the attention away from the perpetrator and this is a pattern that the narcissist will use to distract the third party audience from what's really going on from from the abuse the scapegoat is suffering from they will use others for their personal benefit for their untouchable invincible reputation because they want to keep things clear for them like in, like a like a criminal going to uh i think wait a minute a police station or or a court Okay, so they're gonna go to uh, someone who's professional and reliable and and this person is gonna be paid to clear out their history. Whatever kind of crime they did, uh, it's gonna come out as though nothing has happened. This person is not a criminal whatsoever and they are like a, born, a newborn baby. Like a newborn ha- who has, you know, done nothing harmful he hasn't even heard a fly in this life so yeah just like that what this person does what this narcissistic person will do is that they will hire metaphorically speaking others to point the finger at the scapegoat and i'm not not just talking about it metaphorically i'm also talking about this in the 
sense that they will make these people this this narcissistic person will make these people you know mock belittle compare humiliate insult everything and more uh, you know to the scapegoat to make them feel uh you know to really to show quote unquote their real side you know the flo- to, to show them how uh how small the flaw of the system can be and how it can totally be destroyed and the system can live on and be inherited to more, to more generations they want to quote unquote expose the flaw so that the flaw gets eliminated by itself once these people um you know surround the scapegoat and humiliate them and they point fingers at them the scapegoat has nothing to do the scapegoat is then just you know helpless they have no one around them to to support them or to support their case so they're basically isolated shunned and just shut up because they have no right to speak up for themselves and they are now shut up basically so that's what they do they they're very cunning and very manipulating and they will use this for their personal advantage they want to exploit these people for their own personal benefit to make sure the system runs smoothly and with no inter uh, interruptions whatsoever with no intervention whatsoever the scapegoat has no ro- has no right to expose the system for how much uh, for how much unfair it is rather destroy the scapegoat because they just deserve to be destroyed and they deserve to be shunned and eliminated to make the system work and successful and inherited across generations wow this is a fucking nightmare like seriously okay um another important point is that and i'm uh, i'm focusing on this point right now because i said er in the previous episode that i'm gonna focus more on this point here Right now, I'm going to focus on it. So this is the point that I was going to not focus on earlier, but now I'm going to focus on it. So from childhood, the scapegoat is trained to have a harsh critic within them. Since childhood, and childhood plays an extremely important key, uh, not term, but rather a period of how the person can be because in childhood the person is developing their identity is not clear yet and so it's basically being shaped and formed into something so in the process of building this identity in this in the process of shaping this person this little child this innocent creature they are trained to have a harsh critic within them and how do they do this they do this by they do this by constantly comparing them to others they will do this by constantly making making them feel small all the time they will do this by humiliating them they will do this by unappreciating their achievements 
All the things I mentioned before, they will do this by constantly blaming them over any single, any, any freaking mistake they make. They will do this by uh, making them imposing, imposing the responsibility of being, wait, what? Imposing the role of being responsible for others, you know, just because. And so it's not just once and it stops, you know, this is, this kind of thing repeats itself every single time they get the opportunity to. It's almost daily. It's even hourly. It's not, it's, it's not really, it's countless. The amount of times they do this is countless because all throughout childhood they do this. Imagine the, the amount of, the number of years this person has to suffer, you know, throughout their childhood. They're supposed to have a good childhood where they're, you know, they're learning to be more independent, more self-reliant, more, uh, you know, appreciated for their achievements, more uh, protected of, of, of external potential danger, but no, they are trained since childhood to be responsible for others' lives and problems and feelings because they simply can. They're trained from childhood to feel guilty over their own mistakes and faults. They're trained since childhood to always feel the blame for any kind of mistake they made. What kind of childhood is that? What kind of parent is that? What kind of love is that? You know, why? Just why? So this, in turn, this constant training of having so this these tactics basically the comparison the humiliation the unappreciation of achievements etc will ultimately create a harsh critic within this child within this scapegoat so what this creates is a constant reminder of how bad and flawed and undeserving of life kind of people these scapegoats are and this is extremely dangerous, of course. I mean, what kind of, what kind of parent would do this to their child? Seriously, unless they're psychopathic or something. The child grows with low self worth, low self esteem, and feeling like they are unlovable. They question their own needs and and wants, and they question if if even they deserve to live. At, at at a point where they just give up on life. A lot of people commit suicide over this. I mean, I don't have the appropriate statistics. If I had them, I will tell you about it. But it's I'm sure it's I'm pretty sure it's terrifying first of all. And second, you know, c- constantly and since childhood growing up with a low self-worth and low self-esteem and just feeling like they're unlovable, like they're creatures who are so ugly and so frail that they don't, and they're so foul that they don't deserve to be loved. They just hate themselves and they grow up to be, you know, adults who only seek narcissistic, 
people out there and just gonna destroy them in the process and they're never gonna be able to love themselves but why why does anybody have to be this scapegoat why does anybody have to be labeled this way i mean i mean it's totally just destructive to be in this in this in this label under this name under this adjective uh, noun i mean scapegoat well it's extremely painful like it's the most painful and 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 most you know um excruciatingly painful thing to be in life a scapegoat um Scapegoats tend to suppress a huge abandonment anxiety. They're afraid of an anxious of emotional or physical abandonment of the narcissist. And this happens all the time. And it's on a consistent daily basis, even hourly basis. Because, uh, yeah, the narcissist is never really there for them. So clearly... They can become constantly and extremely anxious over the abandonment of the narcissist. What scapegoats tend to do is they tend to suppress this because they don't have, quote-unquote, the right to express their feelings, which I'm going to talk about in another episode, hopefully, in the near future, uh, another episode of the Personal Bill of Rights. And it's the right to all feelings. Because all feelings are neutral. I think I already mentioned this before. I will try my best to record one as soon as possible. I will. I just can't set the date exactly. But I will do it as soon as possible. Okay. So. What can we do about this? We will be back shortly after this break. Thank you. And I will be back shortly. Alright. Stay tuned. Have you ever wanted to stream and download all of your favorite podcasts? Get 21,000 hours of premium podcasts, bonus episodes and archives, add free shows, 300 more comedy albums, and early access to new releases of each episode of a lot of podcasts. Well, you will find all of these advantages at stitcherpremium.com. Now, this is the premium annual annual plan. You will only pay $2.92 per month. Of course, there's a 30-day free trial at first. All you gotta do is head on to the stitcherpremium.com, say start free trial, and of course, you're not gonna go there without any promo code HELLO. Enter my promo code self evolution with no space in between all capital letters S E L F E V O L U T I O N self evolution. Enter the promo code at checkout, enter your credit or debit card info, and that's that. You just get all of your three thirty days for free, and once those thirty days are passed you are going to pay only $2.92 per month. What a plan. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and enter the promo code and enjoy all the benefits on stitcherpremium.com.
So the episode has ended here and you can guess this is my goodbye speech. <laughs> no, just kidding. I hope you found this episode insightful to some degree. You can always like, comment, favorite, share and even subscribe to this podcast here on Anchor or any other platform like Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Acast and others. I would also appreciate your support for a very small monthly fee if you'd like. If you have any topic suggestion, question or some kind of feedback you'd like to share, don't hesitate to send me a brief voice message on the Anchor uh webpage of the podcast. I will take care of it. To conclude, this was self-evolution regardless. I'm your host Maramber Horma and I will see you in the next episode.